Inner Voice. A heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast. It is so great to be with you today. I'm Dr. Fujian Zain. I'm a psychotherapist and author originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. A heartfelt chat is about what matters most in our life, our mind, thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. Many of you have asked about the awareness integration theory for all the therapists and coaches. I want you to know that our um, this year, our training is starting again. And the first training on the essentials of the awareness integration theory will be in February 10th and 12th, 10th through 12th, Friday through Saturday, you're going to get 20 credits, uh, 20 hours of credit. People who are um, a therapist and marriage and family therapist in California, you will get a CEU uh, with CAMP, California Association of Marriage and Family Therapy. And um, your early bird registration is 20th of January. So you still got two weeks um, and uh, you'll have a discount. I love to see you there. It's going to be online. People from all over the world, um, therapists and coaches, uh, join us. And I love for you to be uh, with us. And uh, this is a three-day working on um, different aspects and learning all the uh, nine principles and six um, interventions of this uh, multidisciplinary and multimodal uh, model uh, that uh, we've done a lot of amazing research on it. And uh, it has minimized Depression and anxiety raises self-esteem, self-efficacy, and self-agency. Um, I'm teaching it in California, Long Beach, and uh, we're um, looking at it from therapeutic, from a coaching, and from educational perspective. So um, also, if you become a certified therapist and a coach in the awareness integration model, you will be part of the group that is going to be on the Fujian app, which is launching in a couple of weeks, and we'll have this model into the app. So um, most people who do self-help work on deep level are going to need um, some help from outside to uh, really deepen their work. So this is an um, amazing opportunity for you to be able to get certified in this model. Today in this episode, I chat with Jason Shires. He is a certified psychotherapist and transformative coach who has gone through the entire journey from childhood trauma to addictions and mental health problems to jail, psychiatric care, 12-step recovery, and becoming a professional helping others. His story is painful but eye-opening, showing how the system pathologizes normal human responses the tragic life circumstances and showed how there is a way out for everyone. He found the Infinite Recovery Project that would help people see the perfect mental health within that resides in all human beings. And this is a, a psycho-spiritual approach that helps people see that all experience happens within. It allows people to drop the story and suffer and see what is possible. Jason is also a podcast host of Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, a conversational show that is truly trans transformative and will meet you where you are, give you a clear view of how the mind works and help you see past your psychology and any diagnosis you may have received. So you could go to Misunderstandings 
www.jasonshireofthemind.com to connect with Jason Shire and his podcast and his work. So in this episode, we share the process of being whole to separated and then whole again by being present at the moment with all of you. Subscribe to this podcast, my YouTube channel, and connect with me through my website, fujanzang.com, or any of the social media. Get my book, um, Life Reset, The Awareness Integration Path to uh, the Life You Want. And um, that is a self-help book or awareness integration therapy, um, which is for therapists and coaches or intentional parenting, which takes AIT to uh, different ages of um, your children and really if you're working with children or you have a child, that book is really great for you. I love to hear from you. That's what I want you to know. I love to hear from you. So share with me your comments and all. So without further ado, here's Jason Dyers all the way from UK. Well, hello, Jason Shire. It is so nice to have you all the way from UK. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to, I always say I'm looking forward to hearing what I'm going to say because I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I know. Isn't that wonderful? It's like, you know, we're just going to have a fun dialogue. And I'm sure if the two of us enjoy each other's conversation and learn from each other, that everybody who's with us is going to have the same thing. I, the same, I, I enjoy conversation and learning from um, you know these interviews every day. There's something that I learn, and um, I know that you have been going uh, through all sides of uh, let's say mental health. You've yeah. gone through your own experience um, as well as many of us go through experiences. But you have been diagnosed, you've been medicated, you've been shedding off things, you've been looking at your own strength, and you've created um, a perspective and a model to support people looking at their strengths. So um, share with us your own journey that got you here, and then we'll go through what you've got and what you're offering to everyone else who might be going through similar things. Yeah. It's kind of a long journey. I'll try and I try and kind of make the major points, you know. But like my journey started when I was just five years old, and I lost my dad in a tragic accident. He left the house one day when I was just five, and he never came back. You know, he was killed in an accident. And um, ever since then, you know, I, I guess I lost my dad physically, and I lost my mum emotionally because she struggled to cope with it. So. You know, I always say, what was my childhood like? It was really like, the uh, work it out yourself. That's what it was like. You know, I, I was left to work it out. So it was kind of loveless from a child point of view. And as all human beings have innate resilience, built-in resilience, we find a way to cope. We find a way to be okay, as I did. And food was my coping mechanism, my first coping mechanism. So food became my friend. It became my emotional support it became reliable consistent you know it did what it said every time you know i could rely on it you know it's like so food and with the consumption of mass amounts of food to cope with internal experience comes a huge weight gain too so you know like there was the external manifestation of what i was putting into my body and then 
my mum's attempt to fix that, you know, like what's going on with Jason, no, no thoughts about grief or anything. And, and she did what, what anyone would do, you know, she found a way to get help, you know, in, in the form of psychiatry at the time, because that was all she knew. And um, so by the time I was nine years old, I was, I was massive in weight, you know, like for, for my age and size. And um, they took me to the psychiatrist. I was diagnosed with um, depression and put on antidepressants. And, um, you know, there was no mention of grief. There was no mention of trauma or any of those things. I mean, it really, in, but that was in the eight, early 80s, you know, it's kind of like um, nobody really understood those things as we do today, you know, like there, there was no trauma informed practitioners, you know, or anything like that. So it was really just a, uh, what, what was presenting and kind of like how to fix that. And um, and from there, it was like an attempt to, to control the external, the weight gain, you know, it's kind of like, so put onto diet pills, you know, and medication to control my appetite, because that looked like it was the problem, you know, we're always like dealing with things at a, at a behavioral level here, and as, as in my childhood, you know, and um, my internal experience was horrific, you know, being me, you know, was very painful and very challenging, you know, being overweight, feeling full of shame and full of grief, you know, because of the loss of my dad and lost and alone in the world was kind of what was going on inside of me, but nobody really knew that. Mm -hmm. um, so then after all the psychiatry stuff and the special schools and the inpatient units at a young age you know it's kind of like a medications it was drugs came along and and it was just the obvious thing for me so uh drug addiction took over for the next 10 years you know um from a from an early teenager to early 20s you know i was struggled with um everything you know from heroin addiction to to all sorts of other drugs and anything really i could take that would find me oblivion from my internal experience uh and like, you know, like it makes complete sense, right? I mean, it's kind of like if we always find a way to be okay and our internal experience is very challenging, then we find a way to soothe ourselves. You know, it's like if you look at drugs from that perspective, then like uh, if we if we live in a self-correcting model, like the body heals itself, right? You cut your finger, it heals itself. You put food in your mouth, it digests itself. You break your leg, it fixes itself. There's nothing you need to do, right? It's kind of like the same way that if the mind gets overly busy and kind of like appears to be a difficult place to be in, then it finds a way to soothe itself, you know? And it's like drugs from that place look like innate wisdom rather than something that needs to be um, pathologized as a, as a disease or something like that, you know, or a diagnosis or a label. So that's what I did, you know, I found a way to, to escape my internal experience with drugs. And then when drugs were taken away, I went back to food because food was socially acceptable. Drugs were no longer an option because my life was full of jails and institutions and crime and chaos, you know, for those 10 years, I did anything I could to get drugs um, and escape myself and, until I could no longer do it anymore, until it was just like, I, could, I was tired of being arrested. I was tired of going to jail. I was tired of living in homeless shelters and on the streets and all those things. So, um, the, the only reason I stopped taking drugs was it was just too tiring, you know, it was just too much. Um, and I found, um, I found freedom via the 12 steps at the time, you know, which, which was really, um, 
a godsend at the time because if you know it was like i was unself-destruct you know i would have probably it probably wouldn't have lasted much longer you know the way it was um and from there you know it's like i really just adopted a new belief that i was that I had this i never questioned anything someone told me i had this disease called addiction and it was unfixable and that i had to abstain one day at a time and that if i abstained one day at a time from drugs and alcohol and and did this long list of practices then i would be okay you know it's like i didn't know i was already okay i'd always been okay and i and and because I was living in the internal experience, you know, it's like I didn't see myself from a from a neutral point of view. I was deep, in, deeply reflective of, you know, thinking that I was this traumatized young child that had kind of lived in an adult's body that could never escape this tragic loss. Um, so I, I took on that new belief and I went to 12 step meetings for the next two decades, you know, and and yeah, I stayed clean from drugs, you know, but uh, my internal experience got worse again. You know, I felt very alone in the world. So the mental health stuff carried on, the food addiction carried on, and I would just go to meetings and smile and say everything was great, you know, because uh, I wasn't taking drugs anymore, you know, and I, was, I belonged to something. And that's when I got into psychotherapy and all the other stuff, the personal development stuff and you know, Western psychological trainings and Eastern spiritual kind of pursuits, you know, trying to, I was on that quest to find out who I was and what was going on. And um, it seemed like a good idea to become a psychotherapist because I thought if I could work that out, then, you know, if I could help other people, then I could help myself. But at the end of all those years and years of trainings with a long list of qualifications and sort of letters after my name and um, degrees and different diplomas and different qualifications, I kind of sat one day and thought, well, I'm not, I'm not happy. You know, I'm not happy. And I, how can I help anyone else be happy? You know, and, and I thought, actually, I know a lot of therapists and they're not happy too either. You know, it's kind of like, the, like they, they can put the front on, you know, it's like in, in the spotlight, for example, in the media, but like the truth, you know, when you really know people, when they tell you what they're struggling with behind the scenes, you know, it's kind of like, I thought that doesn't really seem like a, the peaceful life or the joyful life that I'm looking for. You know, there was still a lot of escapism going on amongst the people that I knew. And it seems like for, for many of us that struggle with addiction, once we get clean, it seems like the only thing we think we can do is become a counselor or a, or a therapist because it seems easy and we've lived this sort of troubled life. And that's what a lot of people did. But I was never satisfied with that. I kind of, so I kept searching. I had this thing, you know, I really, I, everyone said to me, you need to stop seeking. You need to stop seeking. You need to stop searching because when you stop seeking, then you'll be satisfied with your life. But seeking is actually, you know, our what I call our intuitions knowing of home, you know, that there's something more than this. You know, I don't think anyone should give up seeking. You know, I think if you're seeking what you're, what you're really seeking is yourself, you know, home within yourself. But many of us have never been pointed there. We don't know that. We don't know how to find ourselves. You know, it's kind of like, it just seems like an abstract Eastern concept to go and find yourself, like something that people go to India for or something like that, you know, or, or Nepal or go and, go and live in a monastery or something like that. And um, I didn't know what it meant either. People used to say to me, you know, it's kind of like you, you need to look within. And I would be saying, well, what does that, whereabouts, you know, where do I look? You know, it's kind of like, what, what is it I'm looking for exactly? You know, um, it just sounded kind of abstract and 
and you know couldn't make any sense of that so but I, I never gave up you know I never gave up there was that part of me that I guess there was one part of me that was resigned, you know, like to living this destructive, um, traumatized uh, victim story, you know, like that played out in our know, relationships, destructive and toxic relationships and the relationship with food, my obsession with the gym and while I was clean with pornography and sex and relationships and everything, you know, it's like, but then there was another part of me that never gave up, you know, and that was the knowing, you know, the knowing that there was something more than what than what I had, you know. So it was like this two two you know two sides of the same coin, I guess, you know. And um, I did all of Tony Robbins's courses, you know. It was like I thought well, maybe the personal development rather than the therapy side of things, the coaching versus therapy type thing is the is the way to go. So I did all this, and it was like all about hustling more and grinding more and getting more businesses and I'd been outwardly quite successful at this point you know it's like but that still hadn't made me happy so doing all the Tony Robbins getting up earlier doing more work working 18 hour days running myself into the ground trying to make myself a better version of me because that was kind of what, what I felt was being taught you know in that in that work and um it felt just overwhelming you know there was so much to do and you know just to be okay to to, to find this better version of myself and it, amongst all this i'd kind of um i joined this personal development group where we shared resources and stuff and um i i came across this video by chance called the path of effortless change and i thought oh, i just love the word effortless you know i just 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 straight away it's like please you know give me something in my life that's effortless you know anything just to free me from this like every day was effort every day was striving every day was a challenge even from the days of drug addiction of waking up and going committing a crime and to, to going selling something just to get money just to buy drugs just to feel okay to the life that i had now that was like full of getting up early trying to earn more trying to start more businesses trying to look outwardly successful um you know you know it was just like oh god you know somebody somebody give me an easy day god um so yeah this course by michael neal it was who became my coach you know for for a few years and i did his trainings in la called super coach academy and um i i watched this video and i kind of i it was like a serendipitous moment because i didn't watch it thinking oh this is gonna you know like be the one that helps me feel better but i watched it just to just to be able to share it with these other people that in this group that i was in in this personal development group and uh, I didn't even plan, but I just found myself mesmerized by it. I was kind of like, I don't even know what this guy's actually saying, but like there's something in it that's really speaking to me, you know? And uh, and a year later, I ended up at his house for in LA for a course, you know? And, and I just had this, over two days, I had this realization that everything was okay. It had always been okay. It's like I'd seen the thought created story that I lived in, you know, I'd seen the victim story, I'd seen the survivor story, I'd seen the addict story, I saw them all as stories created by a thought that I lived in and suffered from and escaped from myself on a daily basis that they weren't who I was fundamentally, I was okay, I'd always been okay. And yet I'd lived in the feeling of my thinking, you know, my whole life, I'd lived in the story every day I'd woke up, and I would believed I was this 
damaged person that had to do all these things in order to be okay and and it was like a domino effect it was a you know what it's what i call an awakening or a realization you know to the truth of who we are seeing beyond the conceptual western psychological theories which i'd been trained in you know as a therapist you know like of brokenness of the model of illness and all the years and years of psychiatry and labels and eating disorders and and addiction stuff it just all fell away you know it was just like uh I can't think of a good metaphor, but it was like parts of me were just crumbling away and just disappearing, you know, and it's like the labels were falling off. I was just realizing the, you know, what was, what was seeing what was true by seeing what was not true. You know, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That can't be true. You know, it's just seeing that there was no truth in any of these things. They were kind of helpful at the time, the labels, you know, maybe for a momentary kind of, respite from my own experience but the, but in the long term i'd adopted them as part of my identity and that wasn't that was the part that's not helpful with our with our current psychiatric and psychological systems is that like people take on these labels and i and think it's part of their identity and that they can never be fixed you know it's part of who they are unless as i had done so i became free you know i just really freed myself from all those experiences and i started being more curious about life again, about myself, about who are, who am I really? What do I like? You know, it was like waking up from a from a bad dream um, or a nightmare, so to speak. You know, it was like I I became aware of nature, of the birds, of the green grass, of the the sounds, and it was like a like wow, where have I been for like forty years? You know, it's kind of like I've been asleep in this dreamlike state you know it's kind of like which i believe is where most of humanity is lost you know in this relationship with themselves you know as a separate entity in this big bad world where they have to fight for themselves at all times and i started to see the oneness of everything the connection of the interconnectedness and the the spiritual intelligence behind everything and and, and from there i saw all the tragedy and all the experiences as divine you know in a way they were all pointing me somewhere you know they were pointing me home they're pointing me back to myself you know and, and and i think that's what's going on with all suffering you know it's like we life is always giving us what we want but we resist it you know in a way and kind of and then there's suffering involved you know because we keep resisting you know where life is trying to point us to and um uh, I saw the divinity in all the experiences that I had, even in the tragedy, even in the loss of my dad, that it was such a gift, you know, that had kind of uh, eventually, you know, even though it's a, it was a painful experience, eventually had kind of pointed me to the truth of who I was back inside to see that I was always okay, you know, even though I'd lived this life of suffering for perhaps four decades, you know, and that's really what I saw as the what became the core of my work you know helping people see what's right with them versus seeing what you know like as i'd lived in the experience of you know everyone giving me a new label and finding out what was wrong with me and saying that i'd never be fixed i'd never be healed i'd never um you know i'd never live a happy life i'd always be suffering and always be on some sort of medication or dealing with something or having to practice something in order to be okay but what i 
you know, in my work, it's really helping people see that there's nothing to do to be okay. You're already okay. You know, everything is, everything is okay. And it's like, and not getting so caught up in the experience of it, but seeing where it's actually pointing us to, you know, all, all the struggling was always pointing me to look back inwardly. You know, it's like there was a longing in me. I mean, it makes sense from a trauma sort of point of view, you know, there was a longing in me for, you know, the loss of my dad and, and the loss of my mum too, you know, so it kind of showed up in, in obsessively chasing relationships where there was unavailability or, or looking for, um, feminine closeness and softness because i never had that as a child you know it's kind of like i'm craving that and longing for that but getting exactly the opposite because that was what i that was what was installed in me in the in the in the traumatic experience that i had as a child all completely unknowingly to me you know and and, and played out unconsciously in my life but i started to see this you know as i started to see the story and see the truth and start to be with my experience be present in the moment now with whatever was coming you know there was lots of tears and lots of pain and lots of struggling and but the, what came was a real ability just to be present you know with whatever came in the moment you know and 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 that was that was all that's all the healing that came after the awakening experience you know that's kind of brings me i guess there's, there's so much more that happened and so many more things that happened but it, it was really um it's really been a beautiful experience you know of kind of meeting myself I can, you know? yes i can sense that um i mean i i went through the um the psychotherapy mode plus the coaching mode simultaneously um so i really experienced myself some of the conversations that you're having and the path that you've gone through <clears throat> one thing that is very important with what you said is that although we go we need compassion and empathy from the side of us which is wounded it's important um, for us not to go through the path of I'm a victim and stay in the victimized position. Yes, everybody gets victimized at one point in life, but I think that you know um, the message that I'm a victim of life and will always be a victim of life because of something that has happened to me, it puts us in a position that the same, you know, we have to find some sort of coping mechanism to consistently, you know, feel power uh where the message to ourselves is always that i will always be powerless so there is um there's this concept of getting to a place of knowing that yes there's so many things in the world i am powerless against and there's so many things in the world or there are areas that i can be powerful and internally um internally i'm always powerful but there's circumstances that truly i will always be powerless against and um, you know, the, the notion of that I'm going to be in power with everything is not accurate. I'm in power of how to be with anything, but I'm there are many times that I'm going to be powerless against whatever shows up out there. Mm -hmm. And I can sense where you've gone through the process of, you know, systematically healing yourself. And there's a beauty um, in in the process the beauty is there. It doesn't mean that you don't go through the ups and downs and the pain and the joy and, you know, the gratitude, and then you fall right into the pain again. Um, and yes, it's like, you know, hiking somewhere, you're going to go up, you're going to go down. Sometimes it's going to be easier. Sometimes it's going to be harder. Um, but, but the path of 
almost like finding the self and then enjoying the self. And I know that it, when our trauma is very young, we haven't found the self anyway yet because our ego state are not there to find it. And then we find it, it's almost like we um, we recognize ourselves as someone with pain versus what you finally came toward, which is, no, there's a beauty inside, all is well inside. It's not that myself is a pain. It's the beauty and then pain is on top of it. It's like a beautiful diamond, which has got crust on top of it. And all we need to do is to, you know, kind of like get the crust out and then the shine shows up. Um, so that's what I was hearing in the, and, and kind of relating it to what I had gone through, through the path um, to, to get to where I am today. So thank you for sharing that. So I'm um, with, with your uh, progression of this, I'm sensing that you also work with your clients to uh, bring them to see who they are and kind of like taking off the labels, right? Um, one of the things you said, and I recall, um, I had gone obviously through a lot of healing of, with psychotherapy. And then I went to like Landmark and, and some of the other uh, courses, Tony Robbins and Landmark and all of it. And I remember working with uh, one of the coaches and I kept going through and, you know, going through crying and going through. And then the coach looked at me like, why is she in psychotherapist? And she's been a psychotherapist for so long and she can't even, you know, she's still in the victim. And it's kind of like that way of way of being was such a mirror to me where I looked at, you know, as long as you look at the same thing over and over and over and over from a trauma perspective. And again, it doesn't mean that we don't have compassion and we don't need to heal the trauma. But the point is even after healing the trauma, if we keep coming back to it with the same view, we're always gonna produce the same emotions because it's the same story. You know, when you when you keep going to a horror story, you're gonna keep creating the same emotions. And the same, you know, what I was hearing from you, um, it's like shifting the perspective of what you said, um, which is, they're all a story I made up and how I can be with the story I make up. And if I made up that story, I can rewrite this story. I can dismantle the story. I can dismantle the beliefs I created. It gives a sense of freedom then to be whoever you need to be and find whoever, find the essence of you. Yeah. These were all the things that showed up for me as you were talking. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's a very important distinction for me to make. And it's like, when I work with people, it's really about, I want people to understand their true nature before we talk about trauma, because what I find is that the, the Western psychiatric and psychological models in a way are iatrogenic, you know, they, they perpetuate the belief system, you know, about trauma. And, and like you said, when we coming from either victim or survivor, because both of them are just stories, you know, none of them are true nature. It's like when, when I'm a survivor, I'm like, yeah, I overcame that, you know, that bad thing that happened. When I'm a victim, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm a victim to that bad thing that happened. It's all a story. So when we're seeing that that happened, you know, it's kind of like, and I was affected by it and I'm okay. Yeah, I have these visceral 
um, residual responses of the nervous system that happen in the body without the story, you know, like, so unless I understand my true nature, I'm going to perpetuate the story because I've took on some psychological or psychiatric belief about how trauma affects me and it's permanent, it's in the nervous system, it's my, it's how it shows, that's how certain things show up for me. When I see that all that is in service, you know, in service of me experiencing love in the moment, the love of life, the love and connection with other people, you know, it's like it's all pointing me home. And when, I, when I've experienced my true nature, when I see that I'm not a victim or survivor, something happened, you know, I was affected by it. And there's a part of me that cannot be damaged, cannot be touched, cannot be scratched, is unbreakable, is permanent there. My mental health, you know, is always there. It cannot be taken away from me. When I see that, then I can explore the trauma responses of the body that happen. You know, it's kind of like sometimes, uh, you know, if you look at Carl Jung, you know, like he said, unless you make the unconscious conscious, it will dictate your whole life and you call it fate. You know, it's kind of like then I'm aware that I'm okay and I have this perfect place of mental health in me, you know, it's like, and I'm no longer telling the story yet. There's times when there's external stimulus, relationship, people, judgment, you know, money, things that are happening that trigger this contraction in the body, you know, which then I have a lot of thinking about and then I have a reaction to, but I've not seen it in my mind. It's not come up as a thought based belief. It's actually a, a response of the body. I can explore that from there, but until I really know that there's a part in me that's okay, my, what my true nature is, I'm so susceptible to going down the, the trauma rabbit hole that's kind of pushed on people innocently by well-meaning practitioners, you know, in the, in the psychological and psychiatric world, world that, ha that were like I was when I was a, a new psychotherapist, when I hadn't discovered my true nature. And I really thought people were broken and I was broken too, and we were all broken and we would never be fixed, you know? Yes. So um, you brought a very, very good point. I mean, I worked with addiction for 30 years. I consider myself an addict, um, food. <laughs> cigarettes and food um, and come from an extreme childhood trauma too so I um, I've experienced what you're sharing with me um, I can't say the same but you know I, I experienced my own experience relating to what you said there's mm -hmm. also this part of, of how you're saying it that it works which is we dissociate, you know, we kind of like separate ourselves. So you met another part of you who went to create the crime and get everything. And then you met the other part of you, which, you know, and these parts are first, you know, as we grow up, as we're born, they're kind of like we're a whole and then we keep getting separated. And as you go through the process, I hear you, you come back to this whole, you bring all the other parts of you back. Um, into a wholeness versus these separate parts, uh, which we do when we we get uh, we, we go through addiction. It's this mm. you know dissociated part because you can see like I could say anything or or sit down for five minutes and go through all the things that I need to be going through, and then another part shows up, hijacks like absolutely hijacks the brain and the behavioral process, and you find yourself suddenly in a whole different scenario. And then you got to get yourself back. And there's this, you know, there's like two parts that are constantly even in war within within the self, not only with the world, but within the self. 
Um, and what I'm hearing in your journey is to bring them all back, let go of the dissociation and the wholeness and bringing present moment here and now um, and healing all that space. Is that accurate in what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, it sounds like what you're pointing to is really permission to be you, whatever that is, you know, it's kind of like in the present moment now, what is happening with you, you know, it's kind of like, what is happening in your body right now? I mean, because we've only ever got the present moment, we experience the past in the present moment, we experience the future in the present moment, you know, in, in our thinking created experience of the past and our thinking created experience of the future, you right. know, that's all we can ever experience. So like, when we um, invite and give permission to everything to be present, what whatever that is, is it anger? Is it dissociation? Is it irritation? Is it restless legs? Is it happening? Is it um, happening in the body? Or is it thought based happening in the mind? You know, it's kind of like, or my favorite saying is all of you is welcome, whatever that is, you know, it's kind of and and, and rather than you know, like psychology in a way complicates, you know, like, and, and spirituality simplifies the experience of being human, you know, and I, I to me, a, a good healing process um, br brings both together. It sees the value of both the psychological and the spiritual, spiritual being the true nature, who we are, the part of us that's undamaged and breakable and the psychological often how we became how we became in our childhood and what we experienced and how that plays out in our in our present day relationships and and what you were saying was really about like that you know what is a spiritual aspect what i call innate innate resilience you know the way that we find a way to be okay in any circumstances that's what we learn right in the traumatic responses unknowingly unconsciously as children, we find a way to be okay in adverse circumstances. And then those very things are the things that um, become challenges in our adult relationships, the very thing that block us exactly from what we want, you know, it's like, so it's, yeah, it's like you said, being with all parts of ourselves, whatever is showing up, you know, seeing that it's all a calling to love, it's all a longing for love, it's all a longing to reconnect with ourselves, you know, it, it, it's on a behavioral level, it's a pointless place to look, you know, because the behavior is just hiding something that's happening in the core and the, the spiritual understanding of who we are, you know, we've took on a belief system, perhaps from processes and things that we've done, or uh, we're having a traumatic response to some sort of stimulus, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you, what is the experience that you have um, when the when the present moment is here and the wholeness is experienced, which is very different from the victimized position, from the pain and separateness. Yeah, I mean it. It can be. It can be whatever shows up. You know, it can be full of um anger and disconnection and loneliness or it can be full of beauty and joy and connection you know it, it really is about being with what is you know without a meaning because there's no meaning to those things they are just experience their energy that comes through the body you know that's experienced in a certain way and then the meaning has been applied what the meaning is the knowledge the some the thing that we've learned about them you know like the the meaning that we've given them so actually all of them 
you know, are not good or bad. You know, that's just one of the things that we do as humans to characterize stuff, to try and find solutions, to fix, to, to, to call some things good and some things bad. And the things that are bad, we need to find solutions and fix and make better. You know, that's just part of the human experience. But really seeing that there's no meaning, you know, there is no meaning. There, there, there's nothing wrong. You know, it's kind of like, it's just the meaning that we've given stuff. So often for me, you know, like, um, dissociation was was a um and withdrawal and shutdown and and resignation was was my default because of the loss you know of my dad it was kind of like the and and the fact that you know i went through addiction i, I lived in adversity i lived in violence and crime and prisons and stuff so i found a way to be okay in the most challenging places you know so it was really easy for me to be in relationships and completely dissociate be disconnected and be okay you know like well, i'm okay so there's a there's a, a shadow side to to self-sufficiency you know it's yeah. kind of like is that like longing for connection but just going i'm okay you know like longing for connection longing for love longing for intimacy but going i'm okay you know it's like because that's what i learned to do and it was much and easier to, to say i'm okay than to be vulnerable and go I, I really need something here, you know. Well, and you you have to be okay in those spaces. Like in order to survive and move forward, you got to be okay. And the other side of it is you are okay. That's and that's what you're saying that you are okay. Um, it's just that there is also a place for vulnerability. That if we could create the safety inside of ourselves to hear our own vulnerability and not push it away and not be afraid of our own vulnerability. Yeah, and as a man, I mean, I've just started a men's group, you know, and as a man, that's kind of like, there's a lot of toxic beliefs about masculinity, you know, it's like about what it means to be masculine, what it means to be a man, you know, it's like and what it means to to show up to provide all the things that have kind of like have been generational trauma that's been passed down and kind of with the the, the, the current social media uh, offerings, you know, YouTube and all the videos and people doing men's work, things under the guise of men's work, which are really just their own beliefs about masculinity, how to be more masculine, how to show up better, how to do more, how to provide more. None of it is really about how to be your authentic self, you know, or it's okay to be vulnerable, you know, it's like, it's okay to whatever that is, you know, or, or, like I said, all of you is welcome here, you know, from a man's point of view, it's like, so that's why I love that work, because it really never felt okay to be me, you know, it never felt safe to be me, it never felt, and I've been to many funerals, you know, over the years of people that, that could just never say that, you know, they just found it easier to take their own life than they did to, to really be with their vulnerability, you know, so, so going back to the, uh, I can't uh, Jason, I want to share with you that I really appreciate what you just said about men and vulnerability. And I want to add that I think we have the same thing with women's on vulnerability because it's been it's been experienced that if women stay in their vulnerability, they're either going to be controlled by men or they're going to be abused by men. So then they also lose their vulnerability and become like they shift into their own masculine side and like hostile side. So I appreciate what you said about both genders um, or, you know, non-genders and any human being to have the experience of their vulnerability plus their strength and, and having both of them be there, the resilience uh, be side by side by their vulnerability. 
Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's like, it's really about whatever is present in the moment, you know, and um, I guess what I was going to say was I, I, I love to be connected to my body. So for me, sadness and uh, being connected to my feelings is currently, you know, and has been for a long time, a gift to me, you know, where I, I'm not afraid to show my feelings because, you know, I was so um disconnected from my body for so long i just lived as a walking head you know it's kind of like that was it anyone would say how do you feel my answer would be i think i feel you know i, I don't know the truth was i just didn't know i had no idea what do you feel where do you feel it how, what are emotions where do they come because i just learned to disconnect as a way of safety you know and and I embrace that, you know, today it feels good to be connected to my emotional side, you know, and, and to sort of be present with that, whatever it is, without any shame of showing up, you know, without any ideas about masculinity, about what I should be and what I shouldn't be. And, and really knowing, just having that instinctive knowing that who I am, you know, is enough, you know. Um, in one minute, Anything we haven't said that you really want everybody to know? Mm. Oh, just any minute I get, I would take it to say to men, you know, don't suffer alone. Don't be the strong, silent type. You know, there, there, there's so much beauty available in life, you know, than suffering alone. And, you know, just to share and to speak, you know, and just to be open to, to show up and speak to somebody with an open heart, you know, that's willing to hear you and to be present with you and not give you advice and tell you how to be, but just to just to witness you, you know, being vulnerable. That's the biggest gift. So to any man suffering, you know, find the, find that person, you know. Beautiful. Jensen, Jason Shire, everyone. Um, Jason, how could people find you? Um, my addiction treatment program is called the Infinite Recovery Project and my website, wideworldcoaching.com. And also I have a podcast that has conversations like this, you know, kind of really looking at true nature called misunderstandings of the mind. Um, many beautiful conversations with different people in, on all sorts of subjects, relationships, mental health, connection, uh, depression, anxiety, addiction, all sorts of stuff, you know, which is great. Beautiful. And what, what is you. the website? To go uh, to? Misunderstandingsofthemind.com misunderstandingsofthemind.com beautiful thank you so much for taking the time to be with us thank you i really enjoyed our conversation and are related to it so much thank you and for all of you who are out there create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you and until next week bye bye